Amen, everybody. It, uh, we've had a wonderful time of worship this morning. Thank you again, Stu, for leading us in worship. And uh, as you know, we worship the Lord in many ways. We worship Him uh, through our giving, we worship Him in song, and we worship Him in His Word. And so I just want to have a moment of prayer with you as we enter a time of hearing God's Word together. Let's, uh, let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that we have the technology to meet and gather in this way. And uh, we thank you for those that are at home, that are watching, uh, Lord, both those from our church and then folks that maybe just are, are checking us out. And so we, we give you thanks for that. And Lord, we ask for you now to speak through your word, or we ask for you to do uh, what you've done for 2,000 years. Lord, we, you, we know that your word can change us from the inside out. And so, Lord, we ask that you would change us, that we would hear from you, and then that we would respond to your word. So we just give you the glory. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, we are going to be in the book of Luke today. And they just read a couple of the verses, but we're going to read Luke 2, verses 1 to 20. I've titled the message this morning, God's Surprising Gift. Um, one of the things that we've talked about often in our church is God's ways are not our ways. They're higher than our ways. They're different than our ways. And so we're going to learn even as we read about the story of Jesus, just how different his ways are. And um, you guys know at this time, this is Christmas season, before I get started, you know, and I know, that we have a habit of, of focusing on the wrong things during this season. Um, it's, it's all focused on giving gifts and receiving gifts. We see all those uh, Car, uh, those commercials for different gadgets. I, I, my favorite's the one with the, the two Mercedes where they're each getting a car and, and I, they live in a different world than I do, obviously. Uh, but, you know, it's all about the gifts and, and the material things and TVs and you name it. But this year, I think for all of us, this is a different Christmas, isn't it? This season for, for us, um, God has refocused us in many ways. And I, I'm talking about everybody. Uh, some of us just appreciate the gift, for instance, of having a job or still being in business for those that are, that are struggling right now. Some of us are thankful just to have family members with us that, uh, that God has protected from, 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 the, from, that, from that virus or has brought them through it. Uh, and, and these things are, these are wonderful gifts. I'm really glad that we're refocusing, reprioritizing our families, um, our children, and, and while all these things are wonderful gifts, the greatest gift of all still is the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to learn today. And the Bible speaks about this gift in the book of Luke. And so the theme today as we get into this, get into this passage is that God takes the ordinary and makes them extraordinary. And, and so before I get into Luke 2, I've got to back up and give you a little context and talk about Luke 1. Because in Luke chapter 1, we see the angel Gabriel greeting Mary and informing her that she was highly favored and that the Lord was with her. And it, and it says in verse 29, Mary was really confused. I mean, she was greatly troubled by his words, wondered what kind of greeting this was. Um, and then Gabriel goes on to explain to Mary the, that, that Mary, who was a virgin at the time, that she would give birth to a son by the Holy Spirit, and that she was to name him Jesus, and that he would be the Messiah and the Lord, and, and the Lord would give him the throne of David. 
and that his kingdom would never end. Amazing. Really amazing. And her, her response to all of this, as he explained and broke it down to her, she, Mary goes and she says in faith to the angel Gabriel, may your word to me be fulfilled. And so she, she believes and, and, and then the Lord, uh, the angel left her. And then it goes on in, in that chapter to say that Mary goes on to visit her, her, her relative, Elizabeth, whom the angel Gabriel had already explained to Mary that Elizabeth was pregnant, which, which really is with John. Uh, so she was already six months pregnant. And when Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, this is a baby in a room, leap for joy. And Elizabeth began to testify about Mary. And these are the words she said. She said, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. And we see the two of them praising the Lord together. And so that's just the setting in, in which we are in and, and what was going on. And we see Mary's faith in the midst of this, that she, that she heard all of this news and she, she just said, may it be as you say. Um, and so we're going to start with Luke, starting chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. I want to read those to you and then we'll go on with the passage. Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. I'm going to stop there for a moment. My first point is that God keeps his promises in surprising ways. This, this year in our country, as you guys know in the United States, we just completed a census. We're just completing it right now. And in biblical times, governments would take a census as, as well. And they, they would do this to keep track of their citizens. Uh, they were important for taxation, military planning, recruitment of labor, etc. And so there were many reasons they did it. And so the question is, why does Luke 2 include information about a census here? So I'm glad you asked that question. I'll, I'll let you know. The reason why is I believe the reason the census is mentioned here is because God used the census to accomplish his purposes. In this case, God's purpose was to bring Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem, where Jesus was to be born in fulfillment of prophecy and fulfillment of God's plan. I mean, God's amazing, isn't he? Think about this. God moved a pagan le leader... Caesar Augustus, to take a census that affected thousands of people. And the question is why? Well, to keep his promise. God is keeping his promise. It, it, in, in the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, there's a prophecy about Jesus, and it says that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. But Mary and Joseph lived in where? They lived in Nazareth. And this census caused them to have to, 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 have to move and to go to Bethlehem where Mary gave birth to Jesus. So, guys, I want you to know, God can use anyone to accomplish his purposes. A non-believer, the government, and then regular, ordinary people like you and me. He can use any of us. We just need to be available to him. My question, and I want you to ponder this for yourself at home, have you ever experienced God in a situation where you could see that, looking back, that he was in control, that he was sovereign, that he was guiding the process? It's amazing to think about. I'm a, when I first came to Uptown, give you guys a little bit of my testimony. When I first came to Uptown, I, I actually grew up in this community. 
I joke with you guys, and although it was serious, I mean, my goal is to get out of Uptown, but, but uh, I grew up, and I spent my teenage years right on Broadway in Wilson, right across from the train station. Don't know how I slept there, but we did. Um, but anyway, the long story short is that when I first came to Uptown Baptist Church, I, so I grew up in Uptown, but I'd never been to this church. I came to this church because my dad was dealing with an addiction, and he got help for that addiction at this church from a pastor that was here at the time, Tim Larkin, who dealt with folks that had those issues. And he helped my father, helped my father get clean, helped my father get, get life together, helped keep our, bring our family back together again. He really played a part in that. But I still had no desire or plan to go to this church. God had another plan. So at that time in my relationship with my dad, I kind of looked down on him because of this addiction. He said I would not be any, anything like him. And then yet, a couple years later, I was in the same position coming to this church, meeting with a different kind of addiction. It wasn't a drug addiction. It was addiction with a relationship, but addiction nevertheless. And, and, and Tim spent time with me and, and helped me deal with that addiction and eventually led me to Christ. I came to Christ at this church in 1990. And, and that is when God brought me to this church. And I began to grow in the Lord and, and, and continue to grow. Met my wife in this church. And then God called me into full-time ministry here, believe it or not, in, in 2000s. I've been in, I've been in 2000 ministry since the year 2000 serving here. So I look now and I can see God's direction, but I had no plan of being here, you know? And, and as, I, as I told you guys, I was planning on getting out of here. So God, yeah, I, I want you to think about that in your life because I know we've all experienced this where God has been sovereign and you see his hand and guidance. And that's what's going on in the scripture. Let's move on. Verses four to seven. Um, God used a surprising couple to bring the Messiah into the world. Now, now why do I see Mary and Joseph were a surprising couple? Well, there's so many reasons when we look at this scripture. I've, I've already, already talked about Mary a little bit, but Mary and Joseph were really, they were simple people. He was a carpenter. Mary was a very young woman. She would actually be considered like almost a, a child in our, in our, in our culture because she was very young when she got married. And yet there are great examples of godly obedience and character. And I, I want you to think about this, and you can look this up later, but Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25 really speaks about Joseph. And it talks about how the birth of, of, of Jesus came about. And it, it, it talks about that Mary was pledged to be married to, to Joseph. But then he, he finds out that she's pregnant. And, and, and because he was a righteous man, he, he, his plan, he didn't want to explode, uh, publicly expose her. Because if he publicly exposed her, she literally could have been stoned, stoned to death. They were being married out of wedlock. And, and, but... He, he didn't want to do that, but he had in mind to divorce her quietly. That, that was his plan. But after he considered this, it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And it says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from his sins. Now, Joseph hears all of that. And it goes on to say that this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
And so Joseph wakes up after, after that dream, and in obedience, he did what the angel said. He took Mary home to be his wife, didn't consummate their marriage till after she gave birth to her son, and he gave him the name of Jesus. What a step of faith Joseph took. They're obeying the angel, taking Jesus as his son. Not, my, not, not his own blood, not by his blood. And, and, but he, he and her, Mary and Joseph, both trusted the Lord. They both put their faith and trusted the Lord. Joseph and Larry were, just as I said, just regular people. But they were really amazing in what they did. And so God used their availability, their willingness, their obedience. It was just powerful. And now I want you to think about the circumstances now of Jesus' birth. Verses 4 to 7 speak to, speak to that. I'm not going to read the verses for you, but I want to just describe the situation for you. But it's not what we would expect. Jesus was not rich. He's born in poverty. As we've heard, there's no room at the end, no vacancy. He's born in a manger. A manger is like a feeding trough for, for animals. It's a smelly place, guys. It, it's it's not, not what we would imagine. Uh, Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes. These were long strips of cloth that wrap infants. This Jesus, our king, was born really in a dire situation. This was not, not what we would imagine for, 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 for our Savior. So I don't want you to miss this. God's provision doesn't always look like we expect, does it? God's provision, how he provides, doesn't always look the way we expect it. You would think that the Son of God would be born in a much better situation than he was. And yet God's provision of a stable for Mary to give birth accomplished his purposes. It accomplished God's purposes. So that's why I say God's ways are not our ways. Mary and Joseph weren't anything special, but they trusted God and they were faithful and obedient to him. And the picture here for you and I, I want you to think about yourself for a minute here. Our value isn't based on where we're born, on where we grew up. Our value is based on who God says we are. God says we're children of God. And, and, and also in our role in God's work. You and I are made in the image of God. And so no matter what people say about you, it's, it's not about where you're born, you know, what race you are, whatever, whatever those things are. It's about whose you are. You belong to the Lord. You're a child of God. And he has a role. He not only wants to save you, he has a role for you to play. When, um, when I read, read this, I, it made me think about my, our trip to Israel. 2017, my wife and I went to with, uh, with our state office, Pat Pajak, put together a group, and we went on our first trip to Israel. And one of the things that Pat did it in, during that time was he would assign each of us, um, depending on where, what location, a devotional on that location. And so I remember I did a location called Tel Dan. Um, but there, I remember when we went to the town of Nazareth. If you, if you remember, uh, Jesus grew up in Nazareth. And you remember one of the disciples said, can anything good come from there? Nazareth was nowhere. It's just a small town. I mean, even when we went in Israel, it's, it's nothing compared to some of the other places in Israel. It's just a small little town. They built it up 
to try to look, look like something, but, but it's not. And, and I remember when we were there, the guy that gave the devotional was just so excited and broken to be giving the devotional. He said, you know, guys, I can't believe I'm giving the devotional for this little town of Nazareth where Jesus was born. He says, I really relate to this because I, I'm, I'm from a small town. I'm from a home town, you know, just nowhere. And that God would use me and allow me to lead this devotional for you guys. I mean, I could just tell, you could just see the Holy Spirit in him just being built up. He's like, wow, I'm from this small town. Jesus was from this small town, and yet God would use me. And it was just a powerful time. I remember that devotional like it was yesterday. And so let's remember, I want you to know that God, God's not interested in, 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 in your position uh, in, in this life. He can use you as long as you're just faithful, available, and willing to be obedient to him. Let's go on. I'm going to read these last few verses for us, starting with verse 8. It talks about the shepherds, and it says in verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And then it said, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on peace on earth, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, I love this, this, this verse, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glory, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The next point is that the shepherds were a surprising group to announce the good news to. Shepherds, again, were, were common people too. They, they were working on the outskirts of town, and an angel approaches, and, and they are terrified. And says, but the angel says, don't be afraid. I'll bring good news, good news, good news. I want you to think about the timing of this in, in Scripture. After 400 years of silence from the Old Testament till that time, there's silence. No more prophecies for 400 years. And the angel doesn't bring news of judgment, but rather news of peace. Peace between man and God. Peace for all men. It says for all men, for all the people. God's ways are so different than ours. Think about the shepherds. They, they work on the outskirts of town, tending their sheep. They may have been the, the very shepherds who supplied the lambs for the temple sacrifices that were performed for the forgiveness of, forgiveness of sin each year. And now these very shepherds are invited to greet the Lamb of God himself who would take away the sins of the world forever. It's powerful. 
So as I prepare to close, I want to leave you with this. God brought Jesus, our Messiah, to us in a surprising way, right? He used a pagan leader to affect events so that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem to fulfill his promise. God uses a surprising couple to bring the Messiah into the world. And then he, he announces Jesus' birth to this surprising group of people, not, not the group that you would expect him. You would never expect things to happen in this way. We'd never expect our Lord to be born in such an average and simple way. And yet he was. Yet he was. But the most amazing thing of all is that Jesus, our Messiah, came at all. It really is. At the time the world deserved judgment, God extends mercy. After 400 years of silence, the time in the Old Testament to Jesus' birth, we see God's surprise gift of salvation through a baby in a manger. God showed mercy in love walking amongst us. We talk about this. I remember Pastor Allen sharing from the pulpit. He said, you know, God could have wrote it in the sky. You know, he loves us. But no, he came to be with us. And, and Jesus came, he identified with us. He went through anything that you've gone through, he's gone through. And in the same way, God wants to extend his mercy and his grace to you today. So if you're listening today, God continues his work in our lives. Not necessarily the way we expect him to or we want him to, but in his way and in his time. So I challenge you to surrender to him now, to invite Jesus in, because he's knocking at the door of your heart. Many of you are listening today. And, and for those of you that are not part of our church that are listening in, this is for you. Many people today are struggling to find hope. Many people today, they're losing their businesses, they're losing their jobs. If you're walking around Chicago, you see all the storefronts that are closed. Many people, they don't not have hope. And I want to tell you that Jesus is that hope. The reality is you and I are sinners by nature. We sin in the things that we do. We sin in the things that we ought to do that we don't do. And this Jesus that we're talking about in the scripture was sent to this earth to pay the price for your sin and my sin, that we might be restored in our relationship with God. And it's as simple as admitting and going to God and saying, Lord, I, I need hope. I need help. Admitting your sinfulness, asking for his forgiveness, and inviting Jesus in. And he will come, and he will begin that work, as he did that work in my life, changing you from the inside out. Now, he might not provide everything that you need at that moment, but he will provide it in his way and his time. And I challenge you to put your faith and your trust in him today. And UBC saints, that you that are listening here, that already know Jesus... My challenge to you is celebrate the gift of God's salvation. It never gets old. It should never get old for us. It really is an amazing thing that God did for us. And then share that gift with others that are lost and without hope. They need that hope right now. Right now. And so even as we stay in, we're still called to reach out in whatever we way, way we can with the love of Jesus. And I challenge you to offer that that gift, that gift, that hope to someone today. So with that said, I'm going to close us with a word of prayer and invite the Lord uh, 
Thank you for listening this morning. Let's, let's pray together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you, Lord, that you, you love us, loved us enough to come. To come in the likeness of a person, of a man. And Lord, to, 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 to live this life amongst us. To be with us, to identify with us. Lord, we put our faith and our trust in you. And we thank you, Lord, for carrying us, even in the midst of a very, very, very challenging year. Lord, we, we put our faith and our trust in you. Help continue to carry us. And then, Lord, we pray you will continue to use us. Lord, use us to share that, that, that gift of salvation with others. And I pray for those that are listening today, that they might even today put their faith and trust in you. So, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness to our church and to, to, to each of us. And Lord, we just ask you to use us to make us more like you, uh, to make us sensitive to your Holy Spirit when you give us opportunities to share you with others. And, and then Lord, just to meet those needs that you offer, that you put in front of us, um, that people might put their faith and trust in you. So Lord, I pray that you go with us, continue to, uh, as we go out and we, we leave this place, we are on the mission field for you. So continue to use us for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.